everyone. I am super stoked to come to you today. As you know, I'm always super stoked, but really excited about today. Uh, today's podcast and today's video cast is the last one of the year. Today is New Year's Eve. And I just want to take a few moments to share a couple of things with you. And then I'll, I'll share the, the podcast and, and the video cast with you. First of all, allow me to say thank you from the depths of my heart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your support. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for telling others to subscribe. Thank you for seeing me at conferences and, and at meetings and saying, Hey, LD, I caught that podcast or I watched this video and I really liked it. I really was helped by that. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for letting me know that what we're doing is resonating with you. This, as you know, is my passion project. Common sense leadership influencer podcast is my passion project. I'm so grateful for all of my friends, all of my colleagues that have supported me this year. They've been on the program. They have shared their wisdom. They've shared their knowledge with us. I've learned so much and I've grown in so many ways just being a part of these phenomenal people that I know and have the privilege of saying that they are my friends. So I want to say thank you to them. Say thank you to you. So what you're going to hear and see today just some clips from key comments and sage advice that was shared during some of these interviews. I can't share them all or we'd be here all day and into the new year. I'm just going to pick out just a few. That's the third thing I wanted to let you know. We're going to be sharing just various clips, sage advice and wisdom. The other thing I want you to be aware of, and you're going to hear more about this, but I wanted to give you a heads up since it is New Year's Eve and we're leading into uh, 2022, excited about the new year. This has been a very challenging year for everyone, but I must say, and I must say it very honestly and very openly, I have been super blessed this year. And I know many of you are saying the same thing. We've had our challenges. Yes, we've had them and, and a lot of them in some cases but I want to look at the bright side. It has been a phenomenal year for me and I really appreciate it. I am like smiling all the time and I, I know that part of that is due to you. So what we're going to do in the new year, just 2022, we're going to start doing our podcast and the video cast every other week. So it will be bi-weekly and not every week. So we'll be doing our programs bi-weekly be the same program, the same content, the same excitement, the same energy, but we'll be doing it bi-weekly. We will also be sharing simultaneously the podcast and the video cast on our social media platforms. That way you have multiple ways to plug in, multiple ways to connect with us and stay tuned to the things that we're doing. There are a lot of great things that are be going on and we're going to hear some great folks in January. And I'm super excited about that, as you know. So, Hope you enjoyed your holiday, your, 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 hope your Christmas, your Hanukkah, your Kwanzaa, your holiday season with your family and friends was safe and it was joyous. I'm wishing you, from me, L.D. Bennett, Dr. L.D., and the Common Sense Leadership Influencer Podcast family, Maximize Consulting, LLC, which is my other business, from all of us, I'm wishing you and your family a very safe, prosperous 
and blessed new year. Happy new year, everybody. Wishing all the best to you and your family. Now, stay tuned for some really great advice that'll help you going into the new year. Every blessing to you and your family. See you next year. Talk about where we are right now and what, what challenges do you see uh, for us uh, in terms of this pandemic and what opportunities do you see in this pandemic? Well, I think I am wired for crisis um, because I, I love these kinds of challenges. I think that this is where this kind of disruption forces unique partnerships in the industry, a different data set than what we've ever looked at, anticipating where the consumer is going to head, um, thinking beyond. I, I have a good friend who took up motorcycle riding when she was in her mid-40s, and she was talking about the leadership lesson she got from it was learning that the most dangerous part of motorcycle riding is when you're going through a turn. It's not the speed of the straightaway, it's when you're going through a turn. Your natural instinct is to look down at the bike or down at the ground and focus on the turn in front of you um, instead of where you're headed to. And that's where people get into trouble. And so what you learn in motorcycle riding is not to look at the turn, but to look through the turn to where you want to go. And you point yourself in that direction. And that's where you're focused on. I look at this period of time in the same way, is we have an opportunity to look through the turn, through the crisis, and anticipate where the marketplace will land. But we are seeing this massive disruption and acceleration of change that probably would have happened anyway in many industries. Is the disruption in many ways are things that would have happened anyway, but we've accelerated the pace of change three to five years in many ways. Technology is an example where you have some consumer groups that were very uncomfortable using technology, especially around e-commerce that have dramatically leapfrogged to the future because not only did they have to, but they found that it was so easy. So digital adoption and home delivery really took off. At the same time, we've seen really unique and exciting partnerships of non-traditional partners, where in the past you might have had very discrete swim lanes in the marketplace. We're now seeing unique partnerships between data companies and delivery companies, between even in the space of food service distribution. You had food service distributors because away from home was so disrupted, had excess capacity. You had retail wholesale distributors who were short capacity because of the significant demand in retail, all of a sudden you now have channel partners that before didn't exist. So I think there's a, that the exciting thing is the acceleration of the pace of change. And, and if I take it a little bit closer to home from a team standpoint, we've, we've heard people talk for years about work anywhere, but you had multi-generational workforces that viewed this in very different ways. If I had a, an older manager who was very used to an eight to five traditional FaceTime work, but I was managing a young, fresh out of college millennial who was very comfortable with texting and technology and working from a Starbucks, how do you get those two groups to work together and value each other's work? 
what we found now is everyone has been forced to work from home and the opportunity for us to rethink what does a workplace look like? It could be that a, an office is more of a collaboration space and you literally can work from anywhere. I also think that video has become the great equalizer. And it's one of the things that I love coming to a new company is there is no corner office, there's no big office on a separate floor you have to take a special elevator to. We all have the same square footage on our screen and the same access. And I've done a series of one-on-one -on -one interviews, one-on-ten, one-on-twenty to meet team members, which is a great way for them to get to know me in a way that they otherwise wouldn't. And of course, during the, during the pandemic, we adopted a kitten. We, you know, we have our puppy here. My husband brings me coffee. And so my team have actually gotten to know me probably more personally because of the pandemic and work from home than they would have otherwise, which probably makes me a bit more human um, and everything is just a little bit, it's a little bit easier to get to know people. That's wonderful, Wendy. And you know what? Your perspective is so refreshing and I'm gonna get you out of here on these last two questions. If you could give a, an individual one call to action, what would it be? And then for an organization, if you could give that organization one call to action, what would it be? So if you would. If I could give one piece of advice to an individual, what I would say is that you are a brand. Remember that you are a brand, but you are not only defined by what is on your business card. You're also a whole person. So make sure that you write down on a piece of paper what would be the words you would want somebody to describe you as, and then ensure that, that those are the ways that you show up in every interaction with people, whether it is on text or on email or in a meeting or in a face-to-face, -face, those are all brand building moments to reinforce who you are as a person and how you want to show up to somebody. So if you wanna be your authentic self, make sure that your authentic self is also reinforcing the types of things you want people to take away about whether you are collaborative, or you are honest, or you are innovative, or you are brave. All of those are things that should come out in their interactions. My advice to organizations is to walk the talk. In the last 12 months, we have had three corresponding crises all at the same time. We had a health crisis, we had an economic crisis, and we had a social justice crisis. And companies did a great job in responding to the health crisis. And they've done, I think, a lot of work around the economic crisis in ensuring that we're supporting our industries and that we're supporting our communities. There's been fits and starts around social justice. I think some people chose to use it as a moment in time and others are using it as a movement. I would encourage companies to view all three of those crises as pivotal disruptive moments in their business and make conscious decisions to commit to real meaningful change around how you take care of health and wellness for your employees. How do you support an economic model that is resilient and that anticipates disruption and prepares for it and views it in light of an exciting change, even if it is really, really troubling disruption in the moment, I think the call to action for companies and for organizations is to ensure that this isn't, this last year is not a moment in time, but it's a movement. And to remember 
that consumers are watching, our channel partners are watching, our employees both today and in the future are watching. And in the age of transparency, it is very easy for people to be able to distinguish between what you say on your corporate values and how you show up every day. What's it like to work there? What's it like to do business with you? How do your brands show up in the marketplace? Is that also what it looks like inside your organization? So ensure that you are walking the talk and either if you don't intend to make those changes, don't make those statements. But if you're gonna make those statements, then walk the talk. Wow. Wow. Wendy Davidson, everybody. Wendy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for spending part of your Friday with us. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. And always great to chat with you. And so I have been paying close attention to what talented people are saying, because at the end of the day, the programs established by the organizations may or may not tap the talent that is most relevant and scalable and may or may not offer what is needed to accelerate development and growth of that talent pool. That even the concept of high potential still comes out of a biased history of talent development because there's so much sub subjectivity to selecting for high potentials. And so the biases of the people who believe they know the talent exists, the bias of, of professionalism standards, which Stanford's done a lot of research on, and the idea that we can simply tell managers and senior leaders to identify the top talent and the high potentials is very much an old school perspective because it sets them up as the authorities on what is needed. And in many cases, such leaders, very experienced leaders with good intentions are not attuned to what it's gonna to take to help their organizations thrive in the future. So one of the reads I recommend for your audiences, and it's a couple years old now and still highly relevant, it's called 21st Century Talent Spotting. And it's a Harvard Business Review article, and it speaks to potential. And just looking at the list of characteristics that they would cite as more important than performance measures, are potential characteristics like curiosity, characteristics like uh, relationship skills, uh, the ability to be self-motivated, because those are truly scalable and they're gonna be relevant no matter pandemic in, pandemic out, work from home, work at the office. So I think the pandemic has really pointed us to the need to separate high potential from performance. Since we no longer really know what we mean by performance, and often the people selecting the talent don't know how to develop even a top performer into a leader who is relevant, scalable into the future. We are not really in, in the best position sometimes to distinguish between high performers and high potentials. And I love what you just talked about. What I'd like for you to talk about now, uh, if you would, uh, Terry, is to talk about what are some of the things, uh, some of the ways I should say, to, excuse me, a high potential would show up? How would that person show up in an organization? Ideally, and I will, I'll shift over to high potential because often, for instance, in my work, leadership potential doesn't necessarily tie to top performer. You could be a top performer in your vertical. You could be a subject matter expert, 
who doesn't have the emotional intelligence and capacity to grow beyond the vertical. And so on the organization side, I would be looking for people who speak um, the language of strategy and vision. I would be noticing the people who can move beyond the status update date of the project to linking the project work to what the business does and where the industry's going. And younger and younger talent are being taught strategic thinking. They're being taught to have a global perspective. And you have to be prepared for the package to not look like you expect. You have to be prepared for a 20-something potentially to bring more to a post-pandemic uh, strategy in the business than your most experienced engineer, finance person. And so the organization has to be attuned to one, looking for people who are already demonstrating leadership capability, two, broadening their personal network. If I'm a senior leader and I'm surrounded by people who look like me, or I only have real relationships with people who are one or two levels below, there's a ton of amazing talent out there that I'm never in touch with. And so breaking out of the chain of command, setting the relationships, really inviting yourself to BRG meetings, sitting down and having conversations with people who are closest to the work or talk to people in the latest project. I had the experience LD of managing a web development group and I didn't have the technical background. And if, if I didn't have the wherewithal to go out and talk to the programmers, I wouldn't have understood the product and I certainly wouldn't have understood the talent required to stand up what was our first large internet initiative. So to think that you can go to HR or sit in your office and identify potential is naive and it's narrow. Now, if I'm the person who wants to be recognized and this helps us shift into brand, be intentional about how you show up, be intentional. And I was uh, recently working with a global group, um, worked this year with two large, large scale, high potential programs. And the feedback from the senior leaders was when we meet with folks, particularly once we went work from home, they seem tentative. They don't seem to have a point of view. Um, they don't ask questions. And so my message to the, my cohort was lean into the interaction. Lean into the interaction, have questions ready, have the thumbnail such that you seem engaged behind your eyes. Speak the language of strategy. Uh, there's uh, almost a feeling that, well, the people who speak strategy and vision and innovation collaboration are at the very tops of our organization. Nothing could be further from the truth. The people who know how to use the collaboration tools, the people who know how to think in ways that senior executives may or may not be practiced at are the people who are younger and less experienced. And in fact, the article I mentioned early says uh, the experience is overrated. We've got to stop looking at experience as a key indicator of who's going to take us into the future. And I would even suggest that as early as internship or first position in an organization, begin to manage your brand. Be intentional about showing up in a way that demonstrates potential. You're not going to be the smartest person in the room around the core business because you don't have that experience. You can be a person though who asks a question in every meeting. You can be a person who shares a resource that shows the evidence of your thinking, a TED talk, an article. 
You can ask for time with somebody with whom you'd like to have a, a powerful conversation about the organization. Don't make others work to get to know you. And I call that accelerate speed of connection. Don't make people work to get to know you. Nobody has the time to figure out how amazing you are. And uh, of course, <laughs> there's always that self-consciousness we carry if we're a minority, woman, person of color, of Asian descent, that talking to that senior white leader, and let's just go there, often at the tops of organizations today, in spite of how diverse the organization may be, it's white male, baby boomer dominated at the top. And there's a feeling of, I have to earn my way to a certain place to show what I'm capable of. No, absolutely not. Show it off and show it in every touch point and interaction you have. Even when someone says, oh, what do you do in your role? Don't fall into the trap of saying what you do in the role. Speak to your capabilities, speak to your impact, speak to what you love about your work. And then of course, as you progress through career, and this is something you and I have talked about many times, there's really a place where if you don't expand beyond that vertical, if you don't expand beyond being a super doer, we'll find someone else to manage you. Your head's down in the work, you're hardworking, you're the subject matter expert, oh, they couldn't do without you. Meanwhile, you have the potential to go further, you haven't invested in that. You haven't practiced extending relationships out of the vertical. You're all about getting the work done and nobody knows that you do have a vision for the organization. No one knows that you can hold your own at, the, at a strategy discussion because they see you as a super doer head down in the work. And that's a trap. And often very smart people and uh, people who have been taught you have to work twice as hard to get as far, let's say, as white people, it's a trap because there's very little correlation in 21st century career development between hard work and getting the opportunities you deserve. Oh my gosh, that was deep. And thank you for taking us there. Absolutely. And first of all, thank you for doing this for so many people because it is so sorely needed. And it's just amazing how we don't even realize uh, the level of connectivity that we need in order to be able to navigate through this season. So, you know, my journey is a, a ball of a whole lot of stuff, uh, but it's all good and exciting. And I'm grateful for the journey that the Lord has given to me. And for many of you that may not know exactly all the dynamics of my life, just understand, Diane knows this, wherever I fit in, I get in. So uh, it's all good. But I, I started my journey uh, after college, uh, working in financial industry, uh, managing banks and, and working for MGIC Investment Corporation, and just enjoying the financial platform. And I decided that I wanted to launch a business initiative and started in franchising and began to grow my franchise base and uh, added multiple brands in multiple states and just continue to expand upon the platform of growth. Um, and then I had the opportunity to uh, reach out and become an individual that also could support other businesses. Uh, as they navigated through starting their companies and their organizations. So it's been a great journey. The Lord has been faithful to me. Um, 
so I took a moment several years back, wrote a book about how I started my career and the passion that it took in order for me to do what I needed to do and stay uh, true to the task because it's one thing to start, it's another thing to stay true to the task and continue and finish and try to get to another point and another level. So as you can imagine, uh, being in franchising uh, back when I started in 1982, uh, I won't tell many people that, but it almost 40 years ago, it doesn't seem that long ago. Um, but uh, starting, there, there were no female African-American women per se in that industry. It was a dominated um, field by white males. Uh, still to this day, it is, to be honest with you. Uh, so not only did you have a very limited amount of uh, females, if any, um, and you had none really at what we considered uh, a global broad level, and you didn't have any African-American females uh, really navigating through that, 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 that time. So you go into corporate uh, meetings and things of that nature, and they assume you're coming in there to uh, you know serve them. And uh, you sit down at the table and everybody's looking around the room wondering, what are you doing around this table? So we got through all of that. But to, to be honest with you, for me, even to get into franchising took a two to three year journey because um, people don't take your uh, business serious like you take it serious. And they just think they can just kind of brisk you off and move on, but not me. And I share this story I, in the book that I wrote, Your Business is His Business. It's Where Destiny Takes You. That's uh, a book I authored about how I got started in business. And uh, you got to read the book. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but uh, I had to uh, pull a gun uh, on uh, a group of hunters in order to get their attention. But I got their attention. Now, and that was the key thing. And after I got their attention, I, I don't think I've looked back since that day. Uh, but it is a great story. It is a true story, uh, one of diligence, one of commitment, one that I share with young entrepreneurs. And I love uh, engaging with young entrepreneurs because I see them coming in all excited, all energetic. They think they smart. They got all the answers. They don't know. Life's getting ready to beat their tail. And they got to be able to understand how to stand up when they're getting whooped down. And so I challenge and, and push and motivate them, uh, try to help them to understand you are an influencer. You can dictate and change things, but you gotta be in a position to do it and you have to deliver it with excellence. So the journey of my life is called, it's kind of multifaceted, uh, multitask, uh, multifaceted. Uh, the Lord has blessed me. I'm, I sit now uh, in a position where I can really now offer intergenerational transfer, history, knowledge, and experience to other uh, up-and-coming entrepreneurs. Wow. Wow, Val. That is fabulous. And I love that you shared that. But a couple of things I do want to remind the audience that Val did not tell you is that I think it was, in, and correct me if I'm wrong, Val, it was during the Obama administration, uh, your company, your holdings, you were the largest Black employer in the country. And today yeah. you are, I think, in the top three or four bl largest black employers in the country. That's not easy at all. Yeah, we, because as we're we, dealing with we people, 
Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. As you're, as you're dealing with all these people, not only you talked about some of the challenges that you faced just breaking into that. Can you share with us just a little bit more around some of the challenges that you face, even just employ being an employer? <laughs> and I got to tell you, uh, I've all, I've never been afraid to employ in our neighborhood and in, in the environment that I've operated in, there've been a lot of operators that absolutely would not want to employ individuals within our neighborhoods because they didn't know how to communicate properly with them uh, or they don't know how to embrace the lifestyle and, and the environments that some people come from. Some people are coming from very challenging backgrounds and all they need is a little love, a hand up and somebody to believe in them. And that's one of the things hopefully I pride myself in, Diane is having the ability to embrace others and to allow them to see their potential and their growth. This is a true story. There's a young man and um, he was with his, he lived with his mom and he had several brothers and sisters and it was a single parent home and they did not have wherewithal to, to really uh, make it from day to day. And this young man, we hired him in the restaurant and he was working very hard. He was uh, asking for hours all the time. And I kept saying, why is he asking for so many hours? But he was really trying to assist his mother in taking care of his brothers and sisters. And um, he would work day and night. And one day I came in to the restaurant and there, there were cheeseburger wrappers all in the freezer. And I said, wow, okay, somebody's in here eating cheeseburgers. Let's find out what's going on. Y'all know if y'all eat the profit, I can't give you what you eat. And so we, we had a good time. And so I went around the restaurant. I says, okay, somebody tell me what's going on. Is somebody hungry? Let's deal with your hunger if you're hungry. But he had so much pride that he did not want to admit what was going on. And I said, you, you guys know we can't have any stealing in the restaurant. I said, you know, if you need something, let me know and I'll help you. And so the day went on, the day went on. And uh, I said, I need to know who's, you know, um, not holding up the standard here at the restaurant and no one would would rat on him and so that evening he came to me and he said to me he said mrs carter he says i'm the one that was in the freezer eating the cheeseburgers he said i was so hungry and he said i just needed to get some energy and i apologize he says but i'll try to repay you for what i ate he says well please don't fire me and i looked at him and i said you know what i would never fire you for being hungry i said always remember that communication and relationship is important. And if you tell somebody where you are, they can help you to navigate and get to where you need to be. He says, I'm working so hard to try to help my mother take care of my sisters and my brothers. And he, he says, you just don't understand. I says, you'd be amazed what I may understand. Don't ever assume a person doesn't understand what you're going through. Might be. So if you would, a call to action for individuals and then one for organizations. Well, my call to action for individuals is really quite simple. Define who you are very clearly, execute against it, and don't uh, allow anyone to allow you to be moved from what you know God has destined for you. Be relentless about it, drive, move forward, be an influencer, be a change agent, and then allow yourself to embrace others. So that call to action for me is really very, very defined. Call to actions for organizations. 
Di, we're living in a, a period of time we've never experienced before. Businesses like never before have uh, challenges and, and they're adjusting and readjusting day upon day. You think you're going to wake up and, and the plan's going to be uh, one way today and it ends up being something totally different. Understand that you have the power to win. And, and I got to tell you that because every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. I do have a podcast called Power to Win. And that podcast deals with motivating and encouraging people to stay ta on task, to stay focused, to, you know, and, and self-motivation is not easy. A lot of times people say, well, just motivate yourself. You know, they, they, they want you to just, just be encouraged. It's easy to say be encouraged, but somebody's got to help me be encouraged, you know. And so understanding how to keep yourself up and how to keep yourself positive and, and pumped. And, and sometimes you even have to sit back and just breathe and sigh. And then you have to tell yourself, get up, girl, go, move, make it happen. And you got to slap yourself. And sometimes you have to do crazy things. So my, my, my challenge uh, to businesses would be make sure you are very clear on what you need in order to continue to survive and the relationships that you need. You said something that's real important. People don't realize this. Money can be here today. It'll be gone tomorrow. But relationships are everlasting and connectivity is everlasting and building and growing and developing one another is something that's so critically important for survival. And so we want to live just beyond today. We want to live in the future and we want to live in the destiny that God has for us. You know, LD, so many young people have been talking to me about being frustrated in being in corporate, American, uh, corporate America right now. And they continue to talk about the frustration and not feeling like they can move up, not feeling like they can evolve. And the thing that I continue to tell them that now is our moment in time. If you are working hard, if you are focused, if you are all about delivering, you have more opportunities today than you've ever had before. Now is your moment, take advantage of it. Don't run away from it, run towards it. I would encourage people to recognize that now is the time to take advantage of some of these tools that are available to us. Put your pride aside, recognize that these, these are available for us and act on them. As coronavirus tears an unforgiving path across the country. Dasha, what a setback for those business owners. Comcast Rise came about with the desire for us to help communities as they are recovering from the pandemic as well as social unrest. Everybody was forced to step back and say, in this moment, you know, what do we want to stand for? And for us, it was about advancing equity, period. The COVID-19 pandemic has been truly terrible and challenging and difficult experience. It shined a light up to a lot of the inequities in society. We're focused on underrepresented entrepreneurs in particular, entrepreneurs that don't always have access to capital, to networks, to resources. You have to have a close community that can help you rise. Comcast put me in a unique space where I could scale on my own. 
Comcast Rise has had incredible impact already. More than $11 million in grants, 6,700 entrepreneurs, and 422 cities. Now my business is doing better than ever. Keep rising, you got this. When I think about the future of Rise, it's about how can we give more? To be able to make this kind of impact is unbelievable. Thanks for tuning in and for supporting me. I don't take your support for granted. I am both grateful and humbled. Join us next week for another episode. And remember to subscribe and ask others to subscribe. Go to our website at commonsenseleadership.org for more detail. Thank you and have a great day. This podcast and omni-channel experience is brought to you by the Walter Cates Foundation the entertainment and telecommunication industry's leading national foundation dedicated to advocacy around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we are proud to have them as our signature partner. We are very grateful for their generosity and for their support. To learn more, visit waltercates.org. Thank you for joining Common Sense Leadership Podcast with your host, Dr. L.D. Bennett. Visit our website, commonsenseleadership.org for more details. See you next week.